feel like I'm back. I feel like I'm back in my roots here. You must back, oh, yeah, back, back, in back, back, in, back in my radio roots. I told doing talk shows. I mentioned to you that our friend Eric Logan, are we live? We're live. Fantastic. We're live. I love going in hot. Eric Logan used to be in talk radio. Did you know that, Dave Lee? I did actually. I don't know a lot about it, but somebody I met at the boardroom show this uh, weekend. I guess his wife worked with you at OWN, so he, he was kind of giving me a little bit of a backstory okay, sure, sure. for your, yeah. your origin story anyways. Yeah, I was a disc jockey, country music disc jockey, and then moved into morning radio, then I did talk, and did a couple of the formats, but I, was, uh, but I was predominantly in country music. Are you a fan of country music? I still am, sadly, yes. Perfect, perfect, that's yeah. not sad. <laughs> where, were, where were you doing country radio? Oklahoma City. Okay. So I started when I was, uh, so the first job, we don't need to go through the whole exhaustive background unless you guys want, but first job in, in radio, I was Chuck the Duck. So I got, I got in at 15 wearing orange tights and webbed feet. And then from there, I got a job to become at a station across the street, Cody the Coyote. Okay. And so I upgraded from orange tights to like full fur and a tail. Was there, was there a bidding war for your services? It was actually. It was very competitive. Yep. And, and one of the things I always say to people is like you just never know where your career choices take you. And when I was the Coyote, I was thinking to myself, at 17 at this point in time in my life. I'm like, well, where is this taking me? And so I'll ask both of you, what is the zenith of mascots? I mean, if you're on the path of being the best mm. mascot ever. I think the ESPN being part of that advertising campaign mm. uh, during college football, yeah. whenever, when the mascots are jousting, yep. right? I bet that is, is, is like peak mascot. Yes, well, it, correct. So when I was 17, so this would have been 1987, yep. um, it was Mickey Mouse. Oh. You know, it's sort of like, where does of this career choice of course. take you? And you get there, and all of a sudden, it's like they have air-conditioned suits, and you're at the happiest place on earth, and so. Yeah. Would you would you still consider uh, a little lateral lateral move over to Disneyland to be a, a little moonlighting? A, a thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'd prefer to be one of the Star Wars characters. I'm too short to be Chewbacca, but I'd happily be a stormtrooper. Have, um, have you been to Disneyland and seen their new greet, meet the uh, Disney? I've done, Star I've Wars done, characters. You know, I've done the meet the characters. Obviously, yep. the new the new section is not open yet. Yeah. You know, f hashtag nerd alert here. Uh, but yeah, no. But I will be there shortly thereafter. It's open. But that is one of my secret wishes because I don't know if you follow Star Wars or not. But a lot of the stormtroopers actually are like famous actors. Yeah. So that. there's like there's like if some of your listeners may actually go, oh yeah, like like for example in the Force Awakens, one of the stormtroopers that frees Ray was actually Daniel Craig, who was James Bond. What? Yeah. So if you Google cameo stormtrooper you would never know but yet a lot of famous people have had cameos of stormtroopers so they do it they do it purely as a yeah. just just for fun yeah That's and, and it's all about who can get to jj abrams the fastest right, so right. i'm gonna i'm gonna put my, my name in the queue <laughs> perfect segue career yes. transitions um chuck the duck yes speaking of being at the zenith working yeah. with oprah yeah why transition to the wsl great question um well, I think, you know, in full transparency, you know, I'd been with her for 10 years. Um, I started with her um, in Chicago. I was still my first job with her. I was the executive vice president of the studio uh, at Harpo. And we were doing the Oprah show. And shortly thereafter, the president, a guy by the name of Tim Bennett, 
uh, retired. And she said, she goes, I want you to run the studio. So we took over running the studio in the Oprah Winfrey show shortly after I got there. And at the time I had a partner her name, uh, who was our executive producer. Her name was Sherry Salata. Um, and she was the EP of the show. So my job in the near term was sort of two things with Oprah, which was one was to help stand up the cable network, which was happening independently out here in Los Angeles at this point in time, and also deal with all of the syndication rights and then start a studio about content that would happen outside the Oprah Winfrey show. So I was doing all of that. And it was a really amazing time because she just then shortly thereafter announces that she's going to end the Oprah show. And so it ended in May of 2011. And at that point in time, it was like, this was interesting. So um, in, in May 25th was the airing of the last show, 2011. It's like seared into my head. Coming up on the anniversary. <clears throat> it is. And um, OWN had launched January 1st of 2011. And it launched to like a huge success. And then it really struggled finding its footing. And if anybody sort of like Googles the struggles of OWN for the first two years, it's very well documented. And, and it was like Oprah's lost her sheen. Yep. You know, she's she was like, done. The queen is done, you know, and they're writing her off. And the second, and I was living in the north side of Chicago with my, my uh, family. And the, she brings me in the office and she says, okay, this own thing, you got to go fix it. So I moved to Los Angeles uh, in the summer of 2011. And I moved to Manhattan Beach where I'm at now. And, and then we'd start the process of turning around the network. And it was... It was an emotional test, not only for myself, but for the entire organization, uh, for herself and for Sherry. And, you know, we had everything stacked against us. And so I really sort of tried to draw on my background of like everything that I had done up into that point in time for 30 years, frankly, of like turnaround startups and things I did all through country music and all through the different things I did at XM and even being a corporate programmer and running a couple of companies in New York City. And it was a rough two or three years, but we turned the corner and then obviously we had tremendous success. So that's the backdrop to your question. And what happened really, I would say the last two years with her is that the job was very consistent. I wouldn't say it's comfortable, it's consistent. And I'm also in an industry at that point in time in cable that was at a really interesting inflection point. Obviously, the streamers have really made their impact. I've got two daughters that, you know, they don't, at the holiday season, ask me for the cable bundle. They ask me for the network's pack. You know, it's like, okay, this cable television thing is going to be really under pressure. And I was starting to think about, like, okay, what do I want to do? Because at this point, I had been working for Oprah for a third of my career. I've been with her for 10 years. And concurrently, there was a really interesting conversation that started happening with Dirk. And I don't know if either of you understand how I met the Zephs. It's a, I, no, I'd love to hear the it's story. It's a fantastic story. Sure. So um, I'm, it's in the middle of the night. It's toward the end of the year. And I believe it would have been 2015. Let me do the math on that. Does that sound right to you? Sure. I'm looking at Dr. Proden over here, who's uh, my, my Yoda. He's by my, he's my by the way, too. By the way, the, 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 the WSL Yoda. Yeah. To stay with the Star Wars thing. I mean, I think I think Dave Prodan might be surfing's Yoda, to be honest. <laughs> he could be. I think he Dave Prodan exists now outside of even professional surfing. Yeah. I think he touches sure. all aspects. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So my phone rings in the middle of the night. I know that that she's overseas on a trip with Gail. And she's like, What is the name of that island that you always go to in Fiji? And I'm like, it's the oddest question to be woken up at 2.30 in the morning. And I said, Namotu? And she says, no, 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 no. It's something Ampachua. And she's trying to pronounce Tavarua. And I go, Tavarua? And she goes, yeah, that's it. And, I, and at that point, I chose not to 
delineate between the two islands with her to explain there's a difference <laughs> between because it's like and she said well i want you to meet somebody you know I, there's an interesting surfer on the boat that i want you to meet i just connect you to and i said okay cool great and i'm thinking to myself immediately that it's kelly immediately it's kelly so start emailing back and forth and the email address was some very you know interesting like you know random letters at randomletter.com. It's one of the things you can't really tell who it is. So we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like, where do you like to surf? What's your favorite wave? Da, 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 da. And it was just this great conversation about just getting into the ocean, how long you've been doing, I'm relatively new, back and forth, back and forth, just totally authentic. And then the morning wakes up and you kind of like reread some of the emails that you have the next day. And I followed up with an email and I said, uh, Oprah had mentioned you did something with surfing. What is it? And, and he said, well, you know, I'm one of the major owners of the World Surf League. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what was your name again? And it was Dirk. And that's how I met Dirk. And, and from there, it turned into a really organic discussion about me and the league. And I actually, interestingly enough, I can't remember, what was the last year we did trestles? 16, Two years ago. 16? Yeah. Yeah, so six, 2016, there was an advisory board um, meeting, and I was on the advisory board for Pure at the time. And so I was down at Trestles, and so we spent a lot of time. So I've been around the league a little bit. And so as, as there was a, the leadership transition, Sophie comes in, I meet Sophie, and then all of a sudden there's this real push about, okay, we need to like think about our media, think about our rights, think about our content. All the same time, that backdrop at Omen is happening at the same time. And I'm like, well, I'm looking for something different, something exciting, gets me jazzed. And I have fallen in love with the ocean. I mean, very well documented by you that I'm, you know, the adult learner, the poster child. Gorgeous. You know, gorgeous, gorgeous. Gorgeous adult learner. <laughs> Embrace it, lean into it. Um, and, and I have fallen in love with it. And so there was a really interesting organic conversation that just started happening through the summer and toward the end of last year that was like you know could you help us find somebody that could help us with our content could you have somebody help us with this could you think about how you would do this and so the answer was absolutely of course i'll do it and and then the conversation just pivoted to well why won't you just do it and then it was a really tough decision through the empire last year for me to get to a place where it was like I'm really going to walk away to, to the question that you're asking of like, that's what the headline will be. I'm leaving running Oprah Winfrey's company to go work for the WSL. And it was a once in a lifetime opportunity uh, because I love everything about what they're trying to do. I loved everything about, you know, just being in the water. You know, um, I often say all the time, it's like, you know, both of you guys have been around this most of your adult lives and most of your lives. It's like, I'm still like a seven-year-old. You know, I think we talked about this when it was here. It's, it's the like, beauty of being an adult, adult learner. Adult learner. I'm like a seven-year-old grommet. Um, and so it was, a, it was a really interesting opportunity from a career choice. From a business perspective, it's a tremendous opportunity as well. So when I just take off sort of that hat and put on like my business hat, like I've done for the past 30 years, we've got a really amazing opportunity to blaze a trail to make this company and this organization something that it's never seen. I think, you know, I really think it can be a really powerful force uh, in media. Uh, and that really is where I focus is like, you know, how we transform, you know, a lot of what we do clearly outside of, of the CT into a media company. And so that's really where a lot of my energy is. And so I okay. said, let's do it. We have a lot of Qu questions along those lines. Yeah, let's but do it. We also have beach grit questions too. <laughs> so yeah, I, I asked the beach grit, yes. the beach grit yes, community, yeah, yes. uh, what they wanted to know from you. So I, I plucked a couple of questions. Yes. So I'm going to be peppering in on, along with some, some serious. I mean, I think, again, beach grit community, uh, I love them with all my heart. I mean, to me, 
that's where surfing, like the real gritty kind of core, I don't know. It, it's a it's a perspective that I I love. I mean, I yep. I love every one of those bastards. Did you share so, with David our first exchange we had when you came here? No, I didn't. I would love to hear from you. When which which part of the exchange? Well, I mean, I just was just sort of curious what your expectation was before oh, I walked in the room. For sure. So I thought, funny, I thought it was going to be this. Uh, I thought that you were going to put on a real kind of corporate power play thing, yeah. either that or be genuinely um, aggressive, like kind of mm. uh, put me in my place, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, I deserved it. I'm used to it. Yeah. It's all fine and good, right? Mm. Uh, the fact that it was neither of those things, I mean, the, somebody in the Beach Grit comments went through like, okay, did you put your, his hand on your shoulder, right? Like all these, <laughs> oh, all these kind I, of, I didn't see which that. is totally yeah. funny. Oh, did he move the phone? Exactly, yeah, right, precisely. Right. <laughs> all of those things, which is, I've been in so many meetings that yeah. are exactly that, yeah. right? You can yeah. tell every one of them is yeah. a is a power move. Yeah. And in our meeting, like it just felt, it was fun. I mean, it was, yeah. a, it was a pleasure for me to, yeah. I mean, a pleasure for me to meet you. And, and to me, the most enlightening thing was your history in shock jock radio yeah. where <laughs> my stupid shtick, yeah. uh, I didn't mean maybe you take it more personally no, than, no, no, no. No. but yeah, like you're at least on the surface, didn't seem to take it personally and yeah. also seemed almost to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And, the uh, the sort of exchange that the bastard can have with the power structure, yeah. there's some value there, right? 100%. Which, and I was really, yeah. yeah I think uh, one of the things I said, you know, to, to you, and I've said often about the whole beach grit, kook of the day, all that sort of stuff is, is, you know, I'll be the first one to stand up and defend for the right to have that point of view. You know, I, I, I spent many years, you know, in the Opie and Anthony camp and Jim Norton and Joe Rogan and all these guys that we had on XM. And, you know, there was oftentimes, oftentimes that there was a lot of things that were said over the air that I personally didn't agree with, but I devoided that and said, but I'm going to defend the right for them to say that. And so I've got, you know, still amazing relationships with all of them, you know, which was interesting when I went to work for Oprah because they all were like, can we get on the show? I'm like, none of you are coming anywhere near Harpo. Trust me. So anyways, let's get to the questions. Okay. So we're going to, so we're going to start off, start off with a softball from Beach Grove. Softball from Beach Grove. Astrological sign. Ooh, good one. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm just I'm just curious. You know me decently well. What yep. would you get? I'll tell you the answer. I'm just curious. Wait, if you had to guess, I'm give gonna, my give my personality. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess Leo. Mm. David, I place zero value in any of that. Like I, I couldn't even make an assessment. <laughs> Do you even know what, what, what all this? I know are? I'm a Libra. That's oh, all okay. that I know. Right, Capricorn, I don't know what Capricorn. 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 Okay. Is the answer. See, See my, went too, my, too far off. My wife's a Capricorn. Ah, that's perfect. That's this good. is just a marriage made in heaven right here. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm gonna go one more. Let's do another one. Let's keep going. Um, Let's make sure. I, I want to make sure we get to the. I want we get to the questions. Here's here's a quality one, yeah. uh, related to you're directly related to the move from Oprah to here. Yes. Are you are you gonna go down with this ship? Am there, I gonna go down with this ship? There's a feeling I think amongst surf mm. commentators or surf people in general. Yes. That the WSL is a sinking ship. That the Ziffs are just spending money hand over yep. fist, okay. throwing, throwing bad money after bad money, yep. and this whole thing is going down. It's going to crater. Um, it's it's over. It's yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't see that at all. You know, I don't think that it is a ship. I, I certainly think that we're in a completely different position than the company was three or four years ago, for sure. Um, but you know, I'm committed to it. You know, I've made a career change. I've made a life change. So I'm here. So you're going down with the ship. So I'm 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 here. So <laughs> ship. Okay, well it's a, bi it's a bicycle. <laughs> I'm on the strand. How about that? Yeah. Well, in tandem with that though, sure. if it's not going down, what is your career outlook? Like, do yeah. you look? Is there an end point with the WSL? Is there a goal that you're looking to achieve, mm -hmm. and then you can kind of move on to the next thing? And uh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. 
Okay. I mean, I'll be really honest. I mean, here, here's look. I mean, I, I I think you know me, and I and I think you know as we continue to grow this relationship over years, you'll realize it's like I'm just sometimes far too honest. I don't know. Um, I didn't actually see me leaving Oprah, to be honest with you. I mean, there was a point in time a couple years ago where it was like we were talking. About, I mean, I did I did uh, a lot of the work on her Apple deal. Um, I did a lot of the work on some of her other deals that were outside of OWN. And, you know, I saw myself having a big role continuing. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about life and the way the universe works is that, you know, things just come into your consciousness and come to you. And then you look at it and you go, what is this? What am I here to learn from that experience? And so as things come to me, then, you know, things change. But there's I'm so lucky to have this to be really honest it's like you know I'm, I'm i'm surrounded with a group of people and a community that you know to be really honest i didn't know existed to the depth that it did and i have so much respect for it and and i love it it's it sounds like you're interested in growth period like 100%. at oprah when there's a growth project that you can yep. sink your teeth into that's what's exciting yep. and then that maybe wasn't happening for the last couple of years yeah. and this looks like a really ripe opportunity 100%. to yeah. And I think, you know, and, and again, to, to the opportunity side of the equation, um, you know, we can we can parsect out, you know, all the different parts, which I think we probably will want to, you know, through this through this conversation and talk about where I see those potentially being, you know, so. on, on that line, somebody yeah. asked a question, which I thought was a fantastic question was, uh, in, is the WSL a legitimate sporting uh, organization or is it an, an entertainment company? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I would tell you that historically, and to this point, and probably for the prospective future, it's it's a it's a league for sure. You know, I mean, you know, the whole mission of what was started back in 1976 was really the best surfers and the best waves. And I think that that obviously has had many many different permeations over the years. That still is the clarion call. You know, at the core of who we are as a company is going to be competitive shortboard surfing. Period. And that is who we are. That's the core of our business. Now, that means that there's opportunity to grow beyond that, but you can't get away from, from that. And, and so from that point of view, there's a lot of ways that we can talk about how we want to take the competitive part of our sport and then tell better stories about it. So much in a similar way that if you look at the conversation that happens, through, let's just use the NBA because the playoffs are going on right now. So the NBA has done a really amazing job in my opinion. And I think that they have constructed a forum that they have a conversation 365 days a year, even when basketball is not even being played, even when basketball is even out of season. The NFL just did this with the draft. And so there's many ways that you can have a media company and have content outside of the core competition of what you are. And to me, when we talk about opportunity, that is like, that is like really, really high ceiling of what we could do. And, and here's a way to think about it. And I'll share with you guys some things that we talk about a lot in the building. And so it may be the first time some of your, your, your fans may have heard it. And I think I shared a bit of this when we had our first ever endemic night, which is a really another funny topic that was like, why wouldn't we have everybody up here? And you know, that's, I called Dave and I said, I said, Dave, I said, have we ever done this? And he's like, no, I go, well, get everybody. And you had just came up, you had your private one. You just couldn't yep. wait. You were so excited. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> wait. I was champing, um, champing at the bit. But you know, if you think about to that point about the conversation, um, we have done an amazing job of aggregating millions of fans around key events. So when we're up with Bells or we're going up with Karamis or whatever it may be, we will aggregate millions of people onto the platforms everywhere. 
you know, eat Fox, whatever it is. So if you just sort of directionally, these are just sort of directional numbers, and you think about it this way, there's around 15 events between men, women, um, let's say the US Open, even though it's a QS 10,000, or some other handful of events plus big wave, there's about 15 major events that really drive our business. Each one of those events is about three to four days. So let's just say directionally that that's about 60 to 65 days that you're really aggregating this audience, right? I look at it and go, okay, one job is how do you grow those peaks? You know, how do you grow those peaks? The other way, and what I talk about a lot, is how do you grow the valleys? What are you doing with the other 300 days? And this is a piece of the part of what I think the other sports leagues have done a really good job of, is curating this conversation around that. So I look at the opportunity about how we can, as a media company now, start thinking about what are those conversations, what are the stories, how are we engaging the people, and what, and what ways do we want to have them lean in more to the sport? And those can be stories of competition, they can be stories of human interest, they can be stories like the movie that that you did i mean it can be anything and i mean the stories are rich and they're and they're, they're out there so that's the opportunity side yeah. that i see there's no question like there's a lot of examples to follow to build out a year worth of for shoulder sure. content essentially for yeah. the main events yeah good way to put it. i i also think though um and not to like set a brand new business model for you guys yeah. but there's so much left on the table by yeah. only focusing on competitive surfing 100 and it's very different than those other sports in that, oftentimes the best surfer in the world is somebody who's not on tour. Is that or at true? least people, that's, that's well, not true people can make an argument for it. People can say Dane Reynolds is the best surfer they have for a lot of years. Dane Reynolds, Dane Reynolds is the best chubby surfer right so, now. So, <laughs> so maybe right now that might not be true, but sure. that's been historically, yeah. there can be an argument made. So yeah. I'm just looking at, is there any awareness or opportunity to develop content that are maybe Netflix documentaries, YouTube, yeah, YouTube shows, that 100%. sort of stuff that yeah. focus on. Because yeah. uh, I feel like that's what the air show thing kind of is. It's yeah. like, oh, well, there's this thing happening outside yeah. of the I mean, Adam Layer's not flying around on the CT tour, but yet no. you know, he's punting well, incredibly well. Let's on pull him tour. into the fold. Right. Yeah. And then if he's now in this fold, we can do this kind of documentary piece yep. that's actually you know, yep. associating did, us Did we with. talk, though? We did talk about how badly the WS, WCT surfers shit on all the air guys. That's the problem. So, so when you do the airborne event, yep. but then Felipe's doing a better air in the actual contest, or actually Idolo is. Idolo is, yeah. Yeah. Then it kind of undermines the air show. Obviously, there's... Yeah. I, I, listen, I don't think that any of those are free from criticism. Um, I even would go a step further and just say, look, I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to be supportive. I mean, we last, we broadcast the Noosa event, you know, for long borders, mm -hmm. you know, and again, you know, certainly clearly, clearly understand the issues with, you know, shortboard, longboard, and now obviously get it if you're, a, if you're a kook and you're walking around with a paddle like I do from time to time, <laughs> you know, I get, I get the friction and all of that. Um, but I think that the longboard community is another really interesting, rich place to have stories. And there, there's a balance between a conversation and content and then what drives a business and I and I think that you know that is the alchemy that we're trying to figure out and you have to start somewhere and I think it's wise to start obviously with the yeah. competitive shortboard 100%. thing you got to build all that out and then, so, we, you know, and then we fix it hold your thought for one second buddy um, is that you know that 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 informs how you make decisions about big wave it informs how you make decisions about how, how much you lean in with longboarding and how much you lean in in terms of like you profile the other QS events I mean look I mean the the fact that you know that Gabrielle Medina surfed in a QS 3000 is news. It's even more news. They lost. Yeah. Now, 
it's like, okay, so I think that that just highlights that there's a much deeper conversation that could be happening in around it. I mean, that's an opportunity that us as a league should be standing up saying, oh, by the way, the reigning world champion is actually going to be in a QS 3000. And then for some people who follow only the CT may actually ask a question and they may say, well, what is a QS 3000? Not an unfair question for someone to ask. And so that, that's an opportunity for us. So um, I completely agree with you about that. I'm sorry to cut you off. The, uh, My apologies. No, no, please. please. I, just don't, I just can't deal with the comments. I mean, <laughs> here we go, though. This is a... Here we go. Uh, into, okay, this is a two-parter right two-parter. here. It's yes. a two-parter. Yes. You ready for this one, David Lee? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should non-surfers have major roles at the World Surf League mm. uh, or be in you know, positions of power at the World Surf League? And also, do you hate shortboards? Uh, <laughs> do not hate shortboards. So let's just start with the easy. Let's start with yep. the with the hard one. The easy one's the first one, actually. Uh, I do not hate shortboards. Uh, I just I'm horrible at it. <laughs> I'm horrible at. It. I, I did shortboard for a little bit. Um, not very good at it. Um, smallest board I have is a six eleven egg. That's what I when I I'll ride that. Devin Howard would be proud. Yeah. What's that? Devin Howard would be yeah, proud. Devin, Devin would be proud. Devin's Devin an Howard. egg advocate. He's an egg advocate. <laughs> um, but no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not very good at it at all. Um, and and again, I just see anybody. I see people, you know, all the time, you know, 50, 60 years old out there on you know short boards, and it's just like it's it's it, for me, it's like it just speaks to just okay, you know, you got to be really, really, really good to do that. So um, can't do it. Have had many of my friends at Porto because of your extreme coverage uh, <laughs> point out to me. It's like we need, we need, we need to, we need to pull you into some pullouts. It's like fine. So I've been paddling around on a shortboard. Sweet. Keep your eye on the end. So there could you, you could see Elo dropping in on a couple of closeouts on a shorty anytime soon. So, I'm so excited for yeah, that. There you go. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Follow-up question. Do you have a personal photographer with you? Yes. You have more photos yes. than anybody I know. Everybody you can't have enough photos. You can't have enough good photos. I have zero yeah, personally. Well, I, get, I, have I need to come hang at Porto again. <laughs> Pill yeah. for your photographers. Uh, yes, real, it's very fun. Real quick though, uh, to Porto, do you, do you actually like surfing Porto? I mean, all um, things equal. Do you like, or is it just, that's your break, and so that's where you surf? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
Listen, I've got a squad of people that I always that 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 I've been surfing with for a long time. So actually, my my process is this. So I I, when I live in Manhattan, uh, and I drive my little all-terrain vehicle. My friend Jules famously posted it with me, like texting people. Love it. I, I, I think it was you guys scraped Stop. it up. You, you of course borrowed. we did. Of course borrowed, we did. Of course you did. <laughs> um, and I drive up to the top of the hill, sort of by Rosecrans, and sort of look and just kind of see what it is. And if Porto's like really really good, then I know the parking lot's going to be packed, and it's like okay, I'll just go a little further down. So so I usually wind up either at Porto or I wind up down at the pier. And so I just kind of like drive up and down. It was Bruce's Beach as a Marine or whatever around there. Um, it's a really, really hard wave. Um, and I remember when I was taking lessons as the as the real adult, not even adult learner. I don't know what you'd call that adult. What do you call it when you first started for an adult? How well, would you we, have, we have vulnerable adult learner, which is the Val. We the have Val. the, uh, <laughs> what else do we have, David Lee? I don't know, Val Salt. Val Salt, yeah. okay. Um, I remember somebody saying to me early on when I was like on like an 8-0 and I just could not figure, and I'm, I'm learning to surf at Porto, and this is true, and I say this, I go, if you can learn to surf, he said to me, if you can learn to surf at Porto and learn how to catch waves and drop in at Porto, you can surf anywhere in the world. And I was yeah. like, there's no way that's true. It actually is true. Yeah. That's a very hard place to learn. Uh, I've actually been surfing it a lot the last couple of weeks, like a couple of times yeah. a week. What's your problem? It's crappy, dude. Yeah. I, know. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard to surf. It kind of like, it's a closeout, but yeah. it's soft. Yeah. So you yes. can't really make a section. No. no. So, no. but I mean, it gets good. It does. It does. When you get on the, the daily, it's it, not that good. No, the Souths are going to be a challenge that are coming in. Generally, when the when we get the Wests and the north the Northwest that sort of comes screaming through there, it gets exceptionally good and yeah. massively big. And I and then I just grab a camera at that point. Clearly. But it's it's been fun, even yeah. when it's crappy. I have yeah. Fun. Yeah. It's fun on a fish. It's fun. If. Uh, you're just, I can't believe you, David Lee. I can't believe you. Uh, if you could do it again, if you could move back out, if you if could, could move from back. Chicago back to California, would you pick Manhattan Beach or would you go Malibu? Would you go, let's say, Ooh. let's say all things equal. Let's say real estate pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd pick Manhattan Beach. Manhattan Beach yeah, again. I'd pick Manhattan Beach. Look yeah. at that. Now I would have, I would have maybe had a different answer when my commute was to West Hollywood. My commute to West Hollywood it's boys, brutal. By the way, was 74 minutes yep. one way. Yep. Yeah. Which is like an, I mean, it was. That's the worst commute in LA, I think, from, what, from the South Bay to West where, Hollywood. And for listeners who aren't nearby, yeah. what is it, 15 miles? Oh, yeah, as, the crow, as, we say yeah. Back, as we say back home, as the crow flies? Yeah, exactly. Like 15 miles. So I literally could take an electric bike and almost be there faster. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Um, back to the questions. I'm curious what your thoughts are on where surf media is failing the WSL. Mm. What's your advice for us? How can we do our jobs better? What are we feeling? Um, I don't think, look, I, I mean, First of all, I don't believe I don't believe anybody uh, that has an opinion is failing, sir. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about what what the sport has is passion, you know, and and I think that, you know, the sport was around long before there was organized surfing, as everybody certainly knows. You know, when when it was started in 1976, surfing was around long before then, and I think everybody has an opinion of what it is. I think that that is such an important narrative to the sport because. What, and again, I'll just speak for myself. Um, what, what, makes, what makes it so powerful is that it's so personal. And the personal nature of what happens to everybody who goes into the ocean is that it's personal. And you know, you can get very, very spiritual, and I could certainly hold my own in that conversation without going way over the top. But I would say this, that all of us experience it differently. And because of those experiences, whether or not it's from a universal experience, an emotional experience, that then informs your opinions. And so those opinions then get ratcheted up about what's right and what's wrong. That is a, a certainly a healthy discourse in terms of what I would call the endemic media that you guys do. 
where where it becomes where it becomes work for the WSL is how do you take that energy and how do you take that energy and that collective energy and then sort of funnel that into a, a business and how do we take advantage of that passion i mean look i don't know if people have the same passion for badminton you know no, they, don't. they don't and and that is why you probably don't and maybe there is a professional badminton league and i'm sure somebody will point out that i may be dead wrong on this but i'm certainly not aware of it but the passion that we have for what we do and the passion that everybody has when they go into the ocean, whether or not they, whatever discipline they do, whether they're foiling, they're kiting, they're supping, they're longboarding, they're boogie boarding, they're hand planing, whatever it would be, is You went really, through that really quick. What's that? I'm, I'm impressed. You like hit them all without a pause. Um, I've tried them all and I've sucked at most of them. Um, but I would, I would say, but, the, but, that, but that, is, that, that alchemy is really special and that's a special I, thing. I, no doubt about it. What I'm the question that I'm asking is more like um, a lot of the shoulder content tent that's built out for the NFL or the NBA yeah. isn't actually built by the NFL or the NBA. Correct. It's these kind of outside guys with a YouTube show or something like that. So I think there's a lot of opportunity um, that you know we could kind of capitalize on, or people like us can capitalize on to kind of bolster the WSL's business. Here's the damn thing, though. Do you think anybody? A question too from from a beach grit person mm -hmm. uh what's the target what is the actual target market for the wsl and then also do you think that our shitty little conversations would even make sense outside of the tiny bubble that is serving of the people who are super passionate about it i mean yeah. i mean even yeah i mean do you think yeah precisely um so let's 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 unpack both of those for a second because i think it's an interesting topic um what's our target audience look you know this is a sport that i refer to it as a cradle to grave sport um, and we'll get into sort of like, you know, what in the world am I actually doing here and at a certain point in time? But one of the things that we're doing here is we're taking out our media rights. So it's one of the things that I'm doing talking about our media rights. And so part of a uh, part of the sport that is surprising to a lot of people when you step one, I would say one block outside of our, I would just for lack of a better term, let's call it our surfing bubble of, of, of this conversation. One step outside people are blown away, and I mean blown away, by the youth of the sport. So when you look at just like from a WSL consumer point of view, you know, the average age of the people who consume most of our content is like 33, 34 years old. You know, and if you go look at the cable industry, from which I have a lot of experience, and the average age of cable of the cable industry, and certainly like own, is like fifty-seven. Oh, so thirty-three is young? I thought you were saying that 30, was old. Thirty-three is exceptionally young. And here's wow. another interesting thing. Like I would say that the numbers are around 70 to 75% that a majority of the consumption that happens with our platforms happens with, with Gen Z and millennials. And when you talk to advertisers and you talk to people who are trying to like invest and try to reach eyeballs and reach people, we have a huge corner of that. That youth then manifests itself into this area, which is when you look at socially how, the, how we as, as a company and how the sport engages, the engagement level is number three behind the NFL and the NBA. And that is to this passion thing that we were talking about. And when you think of it from a business perspective, it's like, it's really powerful. Now, what is our target demo? I look at it this way, that we know what we want to try to accomplish from a media perspective. And I say all are welcome because it's really sort of cradle to grave. Um, uh, but I would say that, you know, the sweet spot of the organization in terms of consumption, if you just look at the metrics, is about that. 33. Be more specific. Where do those people live? I mean, like, yeah. the, the reality is, I think 
we've experienced prior to the WSL's incarnation even when it was ASP and everything else is sure we can hit people on the coast who own a surfboard that are mm -hmm. surfing all the time but how do you bridge the divide into the, all those other people great question um, so two answers to that I'll give you just a bit more color so you know if you think about you know first of all we're a global sport um, and everything about the, the WSL is that it is a global sport um, if you think about usage any guesses to what the top three countries are? In Bra Brazil, yep. Australia. Yep. You got it. And yeah. US. Yeah, US. the U.S. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you think about it, we're truly global. And by the way, to that passion point, the discussion in Brazil is radically different than the discussion in the United States. And so, you know, we have to figure that out. And, you know, the teams are doing a great job of that. To your point about how you step out. So the analogy I'll give, have you seen Free Solo? Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, free solo to me is a bit of the template. Um, and it's like a present. I mean, we could go back and use many other ones if we wanted to with other sports, but free solo is a, is a great one. It's a great template. Um, and it's the most analogous. Sorry to cut no, go you ahead. off as well, but rock climbing is the most analogous thing to surfing that I've ever conceived of. You know, in that you're in mud. In nature, in nature, yeah. You're by yourself. You're yep. not competing against other people. That's I don't right. know that it's exactly the same. I think surfing is still unique and better, yeah. but it's yeah. the closest. <laughs> you know, new podcast, rock climbing. Yeah. What would be the the, the what we call rock grit? Rock grit. I Let's mean, see. we should trademark that immediately. Mountain. We should. Mountain we already grit. have mountain something. <laughs> we do. We have lodge. We had lodge grit for lodge grit. lodge grit is the snow and skiboard. Yeah, skiboard. I would say so. Snowboard. So what? And how do you build content to yeah. that new audience? So that that's that's one of the things that I'm focusing on. I mean, I would just be very very. What does that look like? Don't know yet. Okay. I've got many ideas, and um, we are going to be standing up. And one of the things that you will see relatively soon is a series of announcements that we're working on from a studio perspective. So this is the studio part of the job. Which the the real thrust of what studios is designed to do is exactly this. So that big long title, which by the way, for the record, I think the way you classify my title, I think we should just I should be the president of etc. I, I mean that's I, I, I mean, going to start taking over <laughs> taking over the categories. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's just like. Yeah, media content, et cetera. I, I think I'm just forever now as a president, et cetera. Please refer to okay, me as that. Okay, done, sold. That's right. Maybe it's an, it's an Instagram uh, handle change. Um, but we are developing a lot of things in this space. Um, and I would tell you that there are projects that we're going to keep on our platforms that we nourish. And then we're going to have projects that have an eye toward off our platforms. And they're going to be long form. They're going to be short form. They're going to be docu. Um, is scripted on the table? For sure. That's, a, that's North Star, big pie in the sky stuff. But we have, to, we have to participate on both sides. We have to put things on our platform to engage this other 300 that we were talking about. And that's what we're focusing on. A good example of that would be you know, the all-in series that, that we put up. You know, that was like, that is a step in that direction of what you should expect to see more of or things the, like that. I like it. The hiccup with that specific series is um, it's out of date by the time yeah, it gets published. Yeah. Yeah. That's and the, so there's yeah. a lot less interest for me to for watch. For sure. And, and that's a risk you run if you do something that's very focused on those actual competitions. I mean, I think, you know, the work that Peter does with Tour Notes is, pro, is really, it's really, amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and it's like, it's very relevant. It posts shortly after the tour, after the stop's over and Vance, the other one is still fresh in your mind. I was a, I had a cameo in episode number one. Ooh. The very the, the first original? episode. Original oh, Tour Notes. Before it was that. even like part of wow. Hurley, before yeah. it was even Hurley's stable. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, yeah. uh, I don't know what it's speaking of, but I just like to start sentences with speaking of. Uh, will people want to know? Will you will you ever unmuzzle the announcers? 
I would actually tell you they've been a bit unmuzzled. Um, it's a great it's a great topic, and we I, I was very open uh, about this uh, when we had the, this this night. Um, you know, I we want. And I use POTS as the example, you know, because POTS is the one who likes to do it. But unmuzzled is probably the wrong thing. I think that allowing them to be fairly um, clear about their opinions, about what they see, and not be somebody who's just like, oh, well, wow, that was a real interesting score. You know, it was sort of like have them be a bit more on the the nose, I would say. Um, We really leaned on them and we had some great conversations with Pat, some great conversations with uh, the management team about, listen, I think the ability to, criticize is the wrong word, to have defined opinions is is something you earn over time it's it's not it's a privilege that can be taken away and this is the way i've always referred to it this is the way i dealt with it with back in the days with all of my talent all different radio companies and i think when we watched specifically the end of the gold coast with what happened the interference call yeah well no not really the interference call i was really talking about the, the, the 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 perceived disparity of the scoring yeah you know in terms of what happened you know um with uh, with italo and and Kolohe. you know our talent i thought did a really great job of saying don't agree with this agree with this or whatever it may be we saw that again in bells we saw a lot of questioning of this that and the other and there was there was some there was some chatter on the boards and chatter in the system about one of the heats. Who was it? Was it Owens Heat that was scored like a seven out of the gate and it set the bar too high? And John John, I can't remember what it was. There was one where the first wave in the set maybe, was set. Maybe Connor. Maybe and it was John Connor. John. Yeah, I think it was Connor and John John. I can't remember who it was, but somebody. The first wave in the heat set the bar too high, and yeah. and and so you know one of the judges. I mean, uh, I think it was actually Pete Mel was actually, and he was just like, listen, I think that that's a bit aggressive early in the heat, and. I think the way Pete handled that, I think the way Luke's been handling it, I think the Luke's way great. that Potts have been handling it. And so muzzling, I would say, is 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 probably not the right way of putting it, but I understand the intent. I the think question. that's a perspective, though, in terms of people's, people are watching this, right? Like, yeah. I mean, and the, especially the people who are, who are commenting on Beach Grid are fairly well-versed at this stuff. And yeah. so them, I think, seeing, I think the interference call, for example... Uh, at the end of bells yeah. um where pete said I, you know he didn't he didn't he didn't interfere impede the progress but then as soon as the ruling came up, we said oh there he is impeding right there right where yeah uh, so i, mean, I don't think it's a muzzle problem. i don't think it's a muzzling issue either i think it's systemic issue and it's something that you guys need to look at globally which mm-hmm. is all these guys are buddies yeah all their bread is buttered in the exact same place yeah. it's not the same as a journalist working for the new york times who's covering google and that's their beat. Yeah. So You're right. I would like to get somebody critical in there who doesn't care about being best friends with John John. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of have our favorite surfers sure. no matter what. Yeah. But still. Yeah. Um, they're all having dinners together. Every where They go travel yeah. around the world together. So it's just, it's a systemic problem. I absolutely hear what you're saying. And I think that one of the things that you will continue to see, like you saw in the first two events, you'll see over the course of the season, you'll see more voices. And that's one of the big things we're putting in. You know, awesome. Certain, you know, different voices. I love that. Um, and so, and, and look, and it's challenging. It's sort of like, you know, the conversation is, well, hey, we need you to fly to, you know, Bali and take three weeks out of your life to be there. So... You know, there's some complications about it, but it's been a huge priority for us, which I'm, is why you'll see that. I didn't think to ask that, but now that you say it, it highlights that 
that's been an issue for me is that yeah. there's not enough new voices right. and there's not enough young voices. You Agreed know? with that. And too. there's not enough opinionated kind of yeah. radical voices. And 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 that's a focus for us. You know, and I think cool. and, and having our talent, our existing talent, and other people who we bring in is good. And by the way, also too, I mean, I think I think the team's done a really good job, and we put the we put the clarion call on the table uh, for Jed, who does an amazing job with the broadcast of like bringing in the surfers. You know when they're done i mean if you look at if you look at bells specifically we had a lot of people uh even ones who were eliminated on finals day sit you know as a th we call it the third seat you know and they were there and and it was good Kolohe surprised After a lot of us losing. was like he i mean you know you think that Kolohe is not very articulate if you just are a fan. fantastic he was terrific yeah. you know and and by the way he wasn't even competing he was just like you know i'm just here because you wanted me to be here. So it was really great. It was really great. And I think that you should expect to see more of that, yeah. not less of that. Yeah. Okay, here you go. Beach Grit question. Beach Grit question. Do we have like an alert sounder? I tell you, I need one. We need one. to produce this up a bit more. I see, that's what I'm telling you. Is we need it, a producer. I think you need one more title on uh, your... Uh, you could be, no, it just falls under the etc. Okay, and your new thing is that you're going to be the producer of the Grit podcast, yes. too, on top of just going <laughs> back to your... I love it. How do you feel about driving to San Clemente? <laughs> Uh, okay. If you By the way, it may be less of a drive than it was to West Hollywood, oh so goodness. it's probably fine. If you could have brunch with four people, dead or alive, and have to include one surfer. If I could have a what was it? So, brunch with brunch. four people, dead or alive, but one of them has to be a surfer. Yes. Who would they be? Uh, by the way, it's like, why brunch? I think, I think brunch is like, it's, it's a little boozy and it's a little chatty, right? Brunch is boozy, chatty, relaxed. Brunch, it's not God. this like formal dinner. Yeah. It's like champagne, mimosas, uh, you know, people loosen up. All right. Uh, right. I don't question Beach Grit's comments. No, <laughs> I'm not. Listen, I cannot. I do not want to subject myself to the to the inbound of what that would be. Uh, the surfer. I mean, I would just. I mean, to me, the first one that pops into my head without even thinking about it is the Duke. Okay. You know, just I just Ooh. would love just to start there, um, and that's a bit kind of how I am. I think about things. It's like I like to go as far back as I can and then just talk forward. Um, uh, so there's that, and then the other people, uh, Elon Musk. Steve Jobs, and then uh, I put Oprah at that table. Boom. Okay. Oh, Steve. Who's the third? Oprah. The last? Oprah. Oprah. Yeah. Uh, people I mean, want to know. I, just love, I, I mean, she's, I just love her to death. Does, does Oprah watch surfing? People wanted to know. Oh, that's a good question. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you probably not, outside of the things that I sent her. Yeah. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't tune in to Heat One. I would be really surprised if I get a text from her about the graphics package for Bali. <laughs> would you know? Would you know you had totally arrived if you hooked Oprah as an actual fan of professional surfing? <laughs> yeah, that would be big. I mean, that would, that be, would big. be big. That I want to get a secret line to Oprah and then get her to text you, mm. like, "Can you believe Sally Fitzgibbon's <laughs> got a six point eight on that ride?" <laughs> Did you see Caroline take out Stephanie Gilmore? It's a that was on guard. Yeah, I thought exactly. her fins weren't quite flared out enough. <laughs> Uh, what do we not know about Oprah? Uh, what do you not know about? Um, I would tell should. you, I would, that's a good question too. Um, that if you were to write down what you think she would be like, you know, when the lights are off, like she, no one could possibly be that kind, that nice, that understanding. I would tell you, and, and I mean this and also that it is much more than you could possibly imagine. I mean, I would say that the public persona of who she is, is a bit, is a bit, detuned from who she really is. It's like we're, a tamed down version. Yeah, I mean, how she's kind. just, yeah, she's just that wonderful of a person. Were, were you pushing for an Oprah run for president? No. You thought, <laughs> no. You did not I want, you did not uh, want to be. That was a funny, by the way, manager. that was a, that was a crazy couple weeks, three days for me. Yeah. 
I mean, she. it was like last January. Were you still Globes. there when, oh, when yeah. that oh, all started sure. buzzing? Oh, yeah. yeah that so, was. I, you know, in, in the Golden Globes, and if, if you're listening and you're on the West Coast, the Golden Globes happen earlier in the night, cause, and then they carry it live here. So I'm Sunday night, and I'm with the family and doing the family stuff, getting ready for it, and all of a sudden, my phone literally starts, like, it's smoking. And I'm like, what in the world is going Oprah's on? running for president. Well, and so it was sort of like, I'm like, what's going on with the phone? And... And it's like, did you see? Did you see what she said? I'm like, what the hell happened? So I, I go, I go online. I go on YouTube, and I watch the end of her acceptance speech. And you know, it, been around her enough. It's sort of like she had the she had that look, and she got going, and it clicked. And I was just like watching on my laptop in the office, and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and then it was on. Then it was like the LA Times article. Yep. That Monday morning. I'm not a I, Harvey Levin, uh, you know, called me and uh, I'm on the phone with everybody's I'm driving in. I get to the office. There's news trucks everywhere. It's like she's running. I'm like, what in the world's going on? I get into my office and I turn television on. It's wall to wall, wall to wall coverage on CNN, wall to wall coverage. The people wanted it. Yeah. And, and she and I didn't talk to her. Now, people need to also remember at this point in time, the mudslides were happening in Montecito at the same exact time. So she was trying to figure out how she was dealing with that personally. Anyways, long story short, it was just, it was kind of crazy. And our PR team was like in full mode. I hadn't talked to her yet. And I sent her a text and be like, hey, what's new? You know, and I, I, I plan to play it like that. And then we actually spoke on Wednesday morning. And, um, you know, I just said, hey, could we talk quite often? I'd, and I'd be very efficient. Like, hey, a couple, three things to run through with you. You know, boom, boom, boom. This is what it is. You know, and so she calls. I don't even bring it up. I don't even bring it. I mean, it's been mass chaos, right? And everybody has called. Boom, boom, boom. This, that, and the other. And, and um, I said, so what else is happening with you? And then she goes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had a little chuckle about it. And, and uh, Did she like it? Did she like stirring everybody up so much? I mean, was it was it? like a little Oprah practical joke? No, I think it was a bit, um, I think she was, it really, you know, things, one of the things you'll learn with her, when if you're around her, which I'm sure you'll spend a lot of time with her, Chaz, uh, soon. Completely. Yeah. Um, Looking forward is to it. that, you know, is that she teaches us to understand that things in your life happen for a very specific reason. And our job is to understand why that happened, is to ask the question of like, why did that happen? And that's how she looked at that moment. And she really gets very quiet and meditates and thinks about it. And she looks at that moment and she was like, okay, there's a real conversation that should be happening in the country for that in order to happen. And that is what she's been doing. That's when she went on 60 Minutes and she did a lot of other stuff. So that's how she looked at that and that's how she thought Have about it. Have you uh, listened to Deepak Chopra and Oprah's Meditations, David Lee Scales? Uh, that was a fun deal to put together, oh, the 21 day meditation series. I mean, that put my young daughter to sleep every single night. <laughs> I've listened, I've laughed. Was that the purpose of I it? I'm not quite sure it was uh, that, but yes. I mean, it was perfect it too. <laughs> it was perfect, like both her voice and Deepak's yeah. voice when yeah. he comes on and then the music, yeah, it's so just, good. it's like sleep perfection. I, really by the way, uh, reveal here, I am a huge Oprah fan. Mm. Grew up watching Oprah. I'm a big fan. Love her. Had Art Smith's cookbook, yes. which I still use so to this good. day. Yep. Fell apart at the binding. So real quick here, yep. we're, we're going to go back in because I got a, I got an important one. Speaking of people we like, yeah. uh, we got a, have you ever played, is, uh, it's going to sound worse than it is, but Fuck, Mary Kill? 
I have not. We can heard, say heard, or, or, or you've never heard of this. Shag no. Mary Kill. Shag yes. Shag Mary Kill. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. where there's three people. Yes. Your one is purely sexual, the relationship, and it's not necessarily yep. you know sexual. I mean, it's yep. just who who do you want to have a yep. fun time with? Who yep. do you, who do you want to stay with forever? Yep. And who do you want to get rid of? Yeah. You have to pick. You got Laird Hamilton, <laughs> Kyle Lenny, and Kelly Slater. I would just like to marry them all. I like to move to Utah and marry them all. I love them all. It's a great answer. There you go. Can't accept that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Rejected by the judges. You, you should. Who would you kill, David Lee? Of those three. This is yeah. your, who do you? Um, F, Mary kill, yeah. we'll call it. PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, geez. Uh, I'd get rid of Laird. I've had enough of Laird at this yep. point. Kill Laird. I'd marry Kelly. Really? Yeah. What yeah. about Kai? You know, I, I don't know. Kai hasn't uh, grown on me enough in the short period of time I've been exposed to him. Kelly, I just feel like he's an intellectual. We'd have a lot of meaningful conversations. Yeah, you'd have a comfortable, a comfortable relationship yeah. with mm -hmm. Kelly. Yeah. yeah, Like an old old married style. Could end in divorce. I'm not saying we end up staying together forever. Yeah, sure, sure. But or, or you just go to Utah and you can marry them all. True. That's marry true. That's true. Marry them all. Marry them all. Um, I'm curious, a lot of career ambition or not career ambitions but business ambitions period mm -hmm. conflict with kind of ideals and mm -hmm. ideal ambitions and one thing that i always advocate for is the reason why everybody is so passionate about surfing and what makes it unique is that it's man or woman versus nature yep. firstly and foremostly sure so trying to kind of impose a competitive component on it it still can be comp competitors against one another, but firstly and foremostly, yeah. it is competitor against the mother nature, getting the best wave of the set, all that sort of stuff, and then doing it better than your com competitor. Mm -hmm. So I look at the wave pools mm -hmm. as completely ignoring that component, mm -hmm. which has been the key component of surfing since day one. Yeah. So I look at wave pools as, okay, there's a business opportunity there for somebody. Well, now it's the WSL's business opportunity, yep. and I see that in direct conflict mm -hmm. with the core tenet mm -hmm. of all of surfing. Sure. Look at you, David Lee. Sure. What, what are it. your thoughts on wave pools mm -hmm. being incorporated? I think you can have wave pools as part of your guys' business and even as part of like a novelty event or something, but it rubs me the wrong way sure. that it's A, you can accumulate points towards a world title, and yep. then that B, Kelly Slater, by the way, is also allowed to compete in those events. Yeah. I think that's an issue. There's one more attack on from the people. Uh, people want to know if there's ever going to be a wave pool for the people. Like one, that's not, yeah, one yes. that's not exclusive yes. and impossible to get to. Um, so let's just let's stay on your, your question, David, um, which I think is, is certainly a, a big hot button you know, that's out there. Um, I think that there's a role for it, a role. I think it, it can exist as part of the diet of what is out there in competitive surfing. Um, I don't know. Think I don't know if we know what that right equilibrium is. Um, I think that you know, if you take one step back from the core from a second, and and I can just I'll share with you guys, you know, personally, the experience that I've had, you know, just walking through the town, sharing the technology and showing people what is possible with the wave technology, and also what is possible with what's happening, you know, with the the future properties that we have. I think that when you think about how you want to grow the sport, one of the big problems that we have, and it, and it is, it's a, it's a trade-off, is the programmability of the sport vis-a-vis -vis where it is. So I'll share with you guys, you know, and, and, the, and the listeners, just a very real, this is a bit inside baseball, but again, like I'm just, maybe I'm far too transparent, I don't know. Um, so we have, a, we have a really great partner in Fox here in the United States, and they, uh, they are stepping up in a big way. 
and and the reach that they're giving us is taking us to places that the sport frankly has never been and we are trying to lean in and grow that and when we went through the gold coast it was good we were working out some kinks and they were like oh okay great but yet you know the predictability of when we were running was pretty set we kind of knew when that window was bells was a radically different situation for two reasons one we we started when the window opened because we wanted to do the seating round and the elimination round and try to get to the to the the subsequent tournament brackets when we saw the swell potentially come. Great job marketing the 50-year storm, by the way. That was, that was marvelous. Masterstroke. It was really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, sidebar, how many of you noticed Strider's jersey on finals day? I did. did you go? Yep. There you go. He had Utah. But, Johnny Utah. Did he? Yeah. yeah. That yep. was a, that I'm, was... I tried to grab a screen grab of it, and I missed yeah, it on the mid-inch show back. That was, okay, a, that, was a, that was my... That was my... That was the... That was a little ELO wink for you there. I was so happy with that. Yes. It was a little ELO wink. Look, maybe more of that to come. Yep. Good. You never know. Good. What, maybe what's Lance, gonna be, oh, maybe you Lance guess, Burkhart shows up. You never know. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, so anyway, so back to the... Back to the, the Fox conversation. So... So Fox, for the, for the holding period, blocks out their schedule. And they put up on their schedule, World Surf League, World Surf League. And there was, you know, and I don't remember exactly how many days between uh, the elimination round and before we went back up again on Fox, but I, I believe it was like seven or eight days, yeah. right? So, you know, you got people tuning into Fox and it says World Surf League, they turn it on and it's like, it's badminton, it's like, you know, the Teflon King or whatever it would be. That's not a great image for us. Because if someone is showing the interest of coming to watch what we're doing, it's like they see that that's not there. Our friends were like at, at the network, where literally they were like calling me, going, "Are are we actually going to run?" I mean, they were like, are, "Is there going to be a contest? We just need to know." And I'm like, "Yeah, we're actually going to run on this day, this day, and this day." Now, part of the reason why the Bell's performance, and by the way, it was a huge it, from a consumption waves, Fantastic. and it was like again a bit of the perfect storm. One small thing that made that equally as powerful for the company was the fact that we actually could say to the consumers, we are absolutely on these three days. Well, A, it was the last three days of the window. We knew that, but also we could stand up marketing and do it. So it actually made a huge difference. So the backdrop of, of that, and this is why it's a piece of the puzzle that we have to figure out, is the programmability of the wave basins because it's really hard to grow the sport from a mass perspective if someone is on the periphery that's interested in getting involved and wants to see the stars that we're making that we tell them hey listen just hang loose check the app we'll let you know at seven in the morning if it's on or in the middle of the night if it happens to be in j-bay that's a real tough thing and i'm out having these conversations with people in town and it is something that we step over quite frequently, like, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, they'll make the call and Pat and the tours and competition office, they'll make the call in the morning, it'll be fine. Yeah, but that's not really the reality of how consumers want to consume content. We actually live in a world where it's really on demand. And it's sort of like, I want it right now, and I want it how I want it. And if I can't deliver that, we are behind the eight ball. So that's a bit of the backdrop. So the wave basin technology is a trade-off because... You know, I can sit back and say to Fox, absolutely, the freshwater is going to be on this day, this day, this day. You know what they say to me? They go, oh, my God, thank you. And so now all of a sudden we can do a, a legitimate competition with the best surfers in the world on, you know, one of the best waves on the planet. I mean, that's a very good wave, by the way. If you guys haven't surfed it, it's very good. And it's a different type of competition for sure. 100% agree with that. Never going to replace the ocean 
we all know that. But yet, from a exposure point of view, it opens a world of possibilities. So I think there's a balance, you know, and I'm not quite sure what that is, balance is. Is there a plan to have more wave pools for people to actually actually experience, or no? Is it is it? Yeah, I, I'm not totally in inside what Nick runs that, that, that side of our business. But yes, I mean, I think that the idea is to roll and deploy that technology out. I mean, again, you know, oftentimes people are talking about how many could be out there. I mean, we have one. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have one. And by the way, the one that was created was never created to frankly do competitions, no. host events. It was an R&D facility. The one in Florida will be more indicative of, you know, what that will be. Did, didn't you guys buy a wave garden too? Didn't that happen? Um, there's, there's a property in, no. uh, there's a property in, in, in Austin. Yeah, 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 but you yeah. bought the Enland facility, yeah. so sorry. The Enland facility, not yeah. the yeah. Wave Garden technology. Yes, correct. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no worries. So, but anyway, there's a long answer. I wasn't but, sidestepping the but question, no. but I just... No, I know. Back her up. I guess all of that makes perfect sense, and I understand the constraints of the business and all that sort of stuff. I think your greatest liability that you're talking about with the unpredictability is also your greatest yeah, asset. No question. Furthermore, it's the one thing that distinguishes surfing from everything else. Yep. So the the key is just how to harness that. And yep. I think that while it's great about the Fox relationship, yep. look, the Fox relationship is going to be less important five and ten years down the road. People are not going to be watching as much television great. through TV. Mm. And what people are wanting is they're going to get bored with curating their own experience. Mm. And the on-demand thing, you're right about it, but at the same time, they love Coachella. They yep. love live events. They do. They love they do. experiences. Yeah, but Coachella starts at a certain time, though. Great point. But they love communal experiences. Agreed. You know that they're not yeah. in control of. Yeah. So I think that's what surfing offers that nobody else yeah. offers. And sitting. So I, I agree. Like the wave pool thing, it's a great business, and but it should be a novelty event. It shouldn't be lumped in with all these ocean events mm. where unpredictability. And again. Man or woman versus nature sure. is the core tenet. It's, yeah, just, I, I, it's I, two different things to me. I totally hear that, <clears throat> and and I would and I would say I would say to your point, you're a thousand percent correct um, because a it's reflective of what a lot of people feel, and I think one of the things that the team's doing a great job of is trying to figure out what is that what is that alchemy between the two, you know, and it, it is a balance. I mean, we have one event, you know, we have one event. You know, out of all of them. And by the way, as we all know, if you don't perform in that one event, you know, you have two scores for the world title that you can throw out. So, gotcha. Yeah. We're in wrap up mode because yeah. the yep. accountant's coming in. Uh, yeah. Final, final Perfect. question. Uh, yeah. Oh, damn it. Oh, come on. Get a good one. Um, okay. Let me while you're looking, while you're looking, yep. Hilo, yes. favorite surfer on the men's side and on the women's side? Current? Yes. Kelly Slater, Stephanie Gilmore. Kind of obvious, but. Fair enough. But, but I mean, it's, I, I think what Kelly is doing at that age, at that level, and for as long, I mean, it just, it baffles me. I mean, I think Kelly Slater, I will just say this, and, I, and I'm, a bit, I'm a bit in the Kelly Homer camp. I mean, Kelly Slater is in the pantheon of the greatest individual athletes of any sport, of any sport. And I think, to me, that's one of the single biggest stories we could be telling. I completely agree, and we're all in love with him because we're all raised with him, but is he able win a 12th world mm -hmm. title does he have the athleticism does he have the drive what are your thoughts i'm never gonna bet against him um and he does have the drive um you think so yeah he does do yeah. you think that his all of his other business obligations defer his attention a little bit i mean how could it not i i think if kelly was honest he would tell you life happens you know life gets in the way okay you know his life is far more complicated today than it was you know 15 years ago totally. for sure you know uh, in, a, in a very beautiful way which 
also then speaks to the fact that he still is making finals day. He still did what he did up there. He was there. Uh, but I think he his life there. is actually more balanced, and he's living a healthier life yeah, now. I don't sure. think it's healthy to try to win a world title. You have yeah. to eliminate a lot of... Yeah. He's, he, listen, I mean, he's, he, is, he is a treasure and a gift to the sport. And, you know, and, and, and I am the first to stand up and be like, you know, this, it's a, we should relish and we should enjoy and love every moment he sets foot in the water because when he's gone, he's gone. It's no different Completely than when agree. I was a kid growing up in the Jordan era. I used to drive to go watch Michael play because I knew it wasn't going to last forever. Yeah, and so I completely Ke Kelly's in the water, it's like I stop everything, cancel meetings, and watch. Completely, but at the same time, just like if you love your kids, you need to be critical of your kids yes, sure. and you need to call yeah. them out. That's yeah. my role. I, there's a lot of people in the sport, a lot of people in the broadcast that can do that if they wished. I'm just going to be a fan. To be Fair honest, enough. I'm a fan of Jesse Miley Cyrus, and she just walked right oh, in. Oh, is Jesse there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you should go get it's Jesse. Good. <laughs> What's up, Ren? Uh, uh, or if you oh, want us to wrap up, you better not bring her. Watch this. Watch this. Jesse. Bring old Jesse Miley. Come here. Come here. Yep. Come here. Boss is calling. Yeah. Oh, I got Jesse questions huh? all day long. Come on. Come on. Jesse Miley Cyrus. Uh, just sit down Hi. here. Uh, I'm David. David, Jesse. Nice, nice to meet you, Jesse. You know Jess? Oh, a long time. I I'm a uh, long time we're, fan we're, of Jesse Miley. Like, they're like in full wrap-up mode, and they saw you. I go, well, let's go grab my friend, Jesse. Oh, uh, Jesse Miley, oh, you are smoking it on the girls' side. Oh, thank the you. The girls' side is more interesting now than the guys' draw. Good. I love it. I love to hear it. I mean, it's true. Did you see on BeachCrit, BeachCrit.com? Do you, like, do you, do, do unnecessary should, plug? I, should, should I just do the interview with Jesse? Yeah. That would be really good. Are, are you uh, are you a fan of Beach Grid, Jesse? I don't even know what that website is. <laughs> okay, so let me explain to you. Uh, I'll tell you what we're getting. What we're getting on the girls, the girls' coverage. Yeah. We have as many comments now uh, go up yeah. for the girls' side as the guys' side. So no, I love that Jen was uh, doing that. How great is Gen C? Yeah, it was great. yeah, but it's also Thank like, you. but no, I mean, but it just shows the appetite for it, right? It's like it's all guys. I mean, not all, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's mostly guys commenting seriously and and engaging the women's draw for the first time in my life that I've ever seen. Like as a legitimate, serious, you know, they're looking at it. As a you know, as a sport, or yeah, it's not a I, damn I would, sport. I, would, as no, a I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would say this too: that you know, um, one of the things that has blown me away, and again, just going to enough events and watching it, is the level of surfing that the women do. I mean, it it, it, it is one of the most undertold stories from top to bottom. Incredible know, of the entire sport. I mean, just how how good that they really, really are. I mean, I think Kelly says it the best. I mean, you, Kelly had the person who surfs his wave. You know who he says surfs the way better than anybody? Gilmore. Stephanie Gilmore. Yeah, of course. Um, and, you know, and I think that this says a lot to the, the level of competition they have. So I think to me, so I've interviewed, I've been doing the podcast for five years or some six years, and I've interviewed a few pro surfers here and there, and they're, they're the worst interviews. I actually don't, oh, yeah. because they're just not that interesting. I don't think they're le leading that interesting of lives. Yeah. You know, um, Stephanie Gilmore on Stab Magazine, they did that electric acid surfboard yeah. test. Yeah. Steph was the most articulate. Yeah. It was the best electric acid surfboard test they've ever had yeah. because she could articulate the differences between the boards. Yeah. She was way more interesting than any, and I was like, man, that, and I get that with, Sally Fitzgibbons. Yeah. I get that. I just feel like there's a lot more depth and yeah. nuance to the lives that they're living than maybe a lot of the guys. Well, one of the one of the things that you know is a, is is such a great opportunity for us. 
Um, and Jesse is one of my all-time favorite people here, uh, even though I've only been here for a couple months. She's fantastic. Yeah, say that <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I pulled you in because I love you so much. Um, but you know, having the 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 opportunity to tell those stories about how you know robust they are as people and humans and articulate. I mean, again. I've been very, very lucky. I've met Steph a couple of times, and, and I've spent some time with her, and I'm just blown away with her depth. I've known Carissa even before I was here. She's another one that's got a lot of depth and layers. And when you when you look at that and you say, okay, what are all those other sort of narratives, kind of going all the way back to the beginning of this conversation about how we want to try to grow the sport, you know, the, 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 the women's side of how we mature the sport as well and grow it and tell more stories is equally fertile ground as it is for the men. So I would think more, yeah, because yeah. there's nothing's been or so little has been done That's in the right. past. And, you know, and again, the last thing I just was sort of mentioned is that, you know, there's a lot of things that sort of happen that sometimes get overlooked. Um, and, and Jesse has been spearheading this really amazing program um, called Rising Tides. And we do it the day before the window opens at each one of our events. And I would say the participation from the, the women's side is almost 100%. I mean, it's like, I mean, from Sally Fitzgibbons to Steph Gilmore to Carissa Moore to Courtney Conlog, they all show up and we invite local local girls and as a father of two girls I love this program because you know we're reaching down to that young side and saying hey here's people you can look up to and that's the really great side of what we're doing so uh, I got a final question. final question final question yep. Yep. Jesse yep. who's okay. your favorite surfer on the men's side and Ooh. favorite on the women's side Ooh. well I'm not really allowed to have favorites yeah, yeah. we all do that's uh, he made me pick. Really? The judges have favorites. The commentators have favorites. If you're a fan of surfing, you have favorites. You know what? I surfing. actually, and I, I know this is super controversial as an Australian, but I actually really love the Brazilians. I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of similarities with the Australians and Brazilians. I feel like that we were them like 25 years ago on tour. You know, we're mm. we're really loud. We're we're in everybody's face, and when we win, the Australians were always there, you know, busting down the door, etc. Oi, so, oi, oi. Yeah, 100%. Like, everyone knows that anywhere you go in any city in the world, you can always spot the Australians. You know, we're, like, the most obnoxious. <laughs> so we're in, like, a pub. We're doing something stupid. So I love that the Brazilians have come, and and they're not afraid to say that they want to win. They're not afraid to, to beat everybody and be really psyched to do it. So, um, so who, Philippe or Gabe? Well, I'm a goofy footer, so I'd have to go with Gabby. Mm -hmm. There you go. Jesse Osiris loves Gabby. What about on the women's side? Well, the women's one is way harder for me, for sure. Look, I've, I've known all of these girls, too, for such a long time. Like, so it's hard for me to have a favorite. Like, even someone like, like a Tyler Wright I've known since she was nine. I remember when Coco was a little kid on the North Shore. So... Um, just pick, gonna, pick Lisa gonna, Anderson. You're good yeah. to go. <laughs> <laughs> True. But, um... No, I mean the women's is cool. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick a favorite in the women's for sure. But you guys have been Perfect. super generous you with your so time. Much. Thank you. Hey, appreciate you guys' time. Thank You're you welcome. very much. You're welcome. Till next time, Chaz. Get barrel.